Sermon number 555, Jethro's Advice, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, December 13, 1970, for the ordination and installation of church offices. The text is Exodus 18.21. Choose capable men, God-fearing men, men of truth, and men who hate a bride. Jethro's advice is found in the second book of the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the 18th chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. And I shall be reading this morning from the New English Bible. The Old Testament was translated this year. Together it was published with the New Testament, which was translated and printed about seven years ago, a translation of the scripture which has been a great help to me and to other members of the Bethel series. And if you're still looking for a Christmas gift to buy that person who has everything, I would recommend to you all very highly this particular helpful translation of God's holy word. Listen very carefully as I read to you from it. The next day Moses took his seat to settle disputes among the people, and they were standing round him from morning till evening. When Jethro saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What are you doing for all these people? Why do you sit alone with all of them standing round you from morning till evening? The people come to me, Moses answered, to seek God's doubt. Whenever there is a dispute among them, they come to me and I decide between man and man. I declare the statutes and the laws of God. But his father-in-law said to Moses, This is not the best way to do it. You will only wear yourself out and wear out all the people who are here. The task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it by yourself. Now listen to me and take my advice, and God be with you. It is for you to be the people's representative before God, and bring their disputes to him. You must instruct them in the statutes and the laws, and teach them how they must behave and what they must do. If you yourself search for capable, God-fearing men among all the people, honest, and incorruptible men, and appoint them over the people as officers over units of a thousand, of a hundred, of fifty, or of ten. They shall sit as a permanent court for the people. They must refer difficult cases to you, but decide simple cases themselves. In this way, your burden will be lightened, and they will share it with you. If you do this, God will give you strength, and you will be able to go out. And all of his whole people will hear them now regain peace and harmony. And Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had suggested. He chose capable men from all Israel and appointed them leaders of the people, officers over units of a thousand, of a hundred, of fifty, or of ten. 
They said as a permanent court, bringing the difficult cases to Moses. The deciding simple cases themselves. Moses set his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro went back to his own country. Jethro was not only the father-in-law of Moses, but he was also the one who is considered by many to be the originator in the Jewish community and the forerunner of what we now know today as representative and democratic form of government. One day, Jethro came to visit his son-in-law, and he went with him to work. And there from the early hour until late in the evening, Jethro stood back and observed Moses at work. And he saw that his son-in-law was tired, that he was overworked. He had too much burden. And what's more, he noticed that the job was not getting done. Even though Moses was doing the work of ten people, the job was not getting done. And when Jethro noticed that the people were becoming angry and disgruntled with their leader, he realized that he would have to give his son-in-law, whom he loved, some advice. So he told Moses to take from amongst the people other individuals who could share in the leadership and the administrative responsibilities of the people of Israel. And Moses heeded the advice of his father-in-law, Jethro. But Jethro was wise enough to know that his advice would be profitable only if the individuals that Moses would choose or gather around him had certain and specific qualifications. So in essence, Jethro was giving in this advice the wisdom, Moses, just don't pick anybody. But look for those people who have those specific qualifications which are necessary for leadership of my people. Now on this day when we ordain and install officers in this church, I think we would be taking very good advice if we would review again those qualifications which Jethro presented to Moses. The first thing this man said was that an individual who is going to be a leader of God's people, be he man or be she woman, that individual must have capability. In other words, the individual should not be placed in that position of leadership because he looks good or because she sounds good. It's not to be a popularity contest, but rather it is an office to be held by people who can perceive what has to be done and then has the courage and the capability to do the job and to get the job done. Individuals who serve in the capacity of leadership in a church, in a government, 
Wherever and whenever it is within the democratic system, this individual must first of all have capability and be willing to dedicate his or her talents which God has given to help solve the problems in this world. An individual who comes into this job should never think that he has the job as a reward for some talent or service already rendered. That's not why you're here. You are here because in the sight of God's people and under the providence of election, it is believed that you have capabilities, talents, abilities to solve and do work yet undone. I get very discouraged sometimes when I see people who assume this office and feel that they have arrived, more or less accept its privilege but forget the responsibility that they are here to use the talent which God has given them in this particular place to help eradicate the evils and the problems in the world and to bring forth the glory of God. Sometimes we lose sight of this, especially in traditional churches where we think this person or that person should have the job and we think that anybody under 30 or over 30 has no talent or lost whatever ability he or she might have. You see, Jesus picked, hand-picked, his apostles for their ability. Nowhere do you find Jesus giving an examination to his disciples, asking them their knowledge of Scripture. Nowhere do you see him in choosing them First, a qualification that they will follow him and serve him to life's end. No. Jesus picked these people because he saw in them some talent, some skill, some ability, which he could use and which he needed to help start the kingdom of Christianity on the face of this globe. You remember, it was one day when he was up around the Sea of Galilee that he came upon two big hooks, Two individuals, Simon and his brother Andrew. Where did he find them in church? No. Tossing a fishnet out into the sea. He probably looked at those big, strong arms. He stood probably and watched them as, as they seemed to know what they were doing when they were casting forth that net. He looked and they seemed to have good, common sense in knowing how to fish, and what's more, he saw them bring the fish in. So he said unto them, before he knew them any better, Come, I will make you fishers of men. And then he went further down the sea coast, and he saw those two brothers, James and John, sitting in, in one of the fishing boats of their father Zebedee. And you know what they were doing? Mending nets. They were at the tedious hateful job of trying to repair that which was broken. And Jesus, I imagine, stood there on the dock or on the seashore and he watched them as with those big, gnarling, scarred hands they pulled and they tugged and, 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 and they made sure that the net was secure. And Jesus liked that. He saw that these men had simple ability to do a job and to do it well. And he said, come, follow me. And, and they followed him. 
Matthew, Jesus found him in a tax collector's office. While he was walking down the Fifth Avenue of some particular city, and he came to that tax collector's office and probably looked in the window, maybe went inside, and he saw this man sitting behind the desk, very politely, very diplomatically taking care of a job taking care of people who were angry and doing what they had to do, pay taxes. And Jesus saw him maybe give a smile or, or do the job with diplomacy. Maybe Jesus looked around and saw the pictures hanging on the wall or he, he examined the files and saw everything was very neat and he saw that this man had a skill. Maybe he looked in the ledger and saw that this man, by the way he wrote down figures in a straight column, figures which were legible to anybody, he saw in this a skill. And he said, come follow me, and Matthew became a disciple. Jesus picked people because of their ability. With their ability to get the job done, that, that was very important to him. And it ought to be to anyone who assumes a position of leadership in a church. That when he comes within this wall, or within these walls to worship, and to sit around the conference table, and around the table of decision, he doesn't first check his common sense and his talent at the door and think that they have no place here. No. You'll bring them along. You're to use them here within the kingdom of God as we try to proclaim it and build it through the church. That's Jethro's advice and that's my advice to those who today are being installed and ordained as officers in this church. Secondly, Jethro said, they must be people who individually have piety. Piety. Now that's not an individual who enjoys the dessert of pie. But rather, it's an old-fashioned word that means the individual is to have a simple and sincere religious faith. An individual who is not trying to use his religion to work out some psychological problem. An individual who does not try to get an office in the job simply to feed some egomaniac pride or to satisfy some psychotic condition, but an individual who comes, as did the people of old, into the presence of God with some fear and some trembling. Individuals who are more concerned in pleasing God than they are their fellow man. Individuals who are willing to allow God and God's word to become their divine standard of judgment on themselves and on everybody else in the whole world. Jesus put it well, people who are willing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, people who are willing to be awestruck by the magnitude of the responsibility to which he or she has been called, people who are willing to lose a night's sleep to get upset and concerned when they realize what possibly could happen if they individually do not fulfill the 
high office and the responsibility which God has entrusted to them for just a little period of God's time and calendar. That's the kind of people God needs in leadership. People who love God almost with a fear. And thirdly, Jethro says the people should be individuals who love truth. That is, you should look upon your particular office not just as one who is a defender of the truth, but rather as individuals as well who have a responsibility to search the truth, to know the truth, and know that when you know the truth you will be set free. Individuals who spare no effort and avoid no danger, which will perhaps lead them into new truth, truth which God would have us to know. Individuals who are not frightened to know the truth in themselves, in the Bible, in the institution that they serve, and in this ever-changing world. People who are big enough to make a mistake, and then when they know they have made it, are truthful enough to admit it. You see, it takes a big man to search the truth and to hear the truth. That's what's wonderful about this passage here, because I don't think it was easy at all for Jethro to take this son-in-law, whom he loved, to whom his favorite daughter was married, to sit him down and say, Moses, you're doing a lousy job at your work. A man who God had chosen himself. And to tell that individual, you're doing a poor job. Nor do I think it was easy for Moses to sit there and to hear these words of constructive criticism. I think Moses probably at one time wanted to punch Jethro. I wouldn't have been a bit surprised if, like many of us, he would have tried to justify his actions, rationalize why it was he couldn't get the job done. But Moses didn't. He was a big man. He was a man of truth. He knew he wasn't getting the job done. He knew that Jethro was right. And when the Jethro gave his advice, he listened, hoping to find new truth as to how he might do his job better. We need people who are willing to search the truth, to know the truth, to be the truth. We need individuals who, according to Jethro, must have the qualification of hating, hating corruption. The King James Bible says that this person must hate covetousness. The Revised Standard Version says he must hate bribery. The New English Bible, from which we read a few minutes ago, says this person must be incorruptible. So I've taken all of this and used the license of a preacher and say, you must be an individual who hates corruption. Hates it. That means, you see, it's, it's just not enough for you to be able to recognize and to see evil and sin and dishonesty and bribery and uh, injustice and uh, some of these other things in the world, it's just not enough for you to see them and to be able to recognize them and to shake your head in disbelief and disgust. 
As I understand this, it means you must treat them. That's a strong word. You treat them to the vehemence that you are willing to do something about them. You see, when you become an officer in a church or in any ecclesiastical body, it does not mean that you have the responsibility just to pay the bills and put fuel into the furnace and to keep the sidewalks clean and to park the cars. Those are secondary jobs. Our job, first of all, is to try to hate evil and to overcome evil with good. To be in mission for Jesus Christ and to proclaim the message in this community and the uttermost parts of the world. And I think it's about time that people in this community know that the people in Bakerstown and of the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown teach corruption. And we will do everything under our power, under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit, to eradicate it from the face of our community, our face of our own lives, and try to rid it in the whole world by overcoming evil with good. And then, lastly, I think Jethro is trying to tell us here the people who have this office, they must be willing to make decisions. You see, when Moses got these people together, he, he gave them the authority to make certain decisions. And not only that, if the problem was too great for them, they had to make the decision that they could not handle it and pass it back to Moses. And no matter how you like it, you see, they could not rule unless they were willing to make decisions. And you know, I think that's one of the most difficult things we are called upon to do in our positions of leadership, especially when we are making them for other people. And what makes this job tough is having to make up our minds under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit and come to a decision. And one of the things that I noticed Every judicatory of the church where I have served does not like to do. That's to make a decision. We sat in a meeting the other night on a big issue in the Presbytery of Pittsburgh. What did we do? <laughs> Voted to appoint a committee to study it and would vote it some later month. This, this is constant. Because you see, for some reason or other, God's people don't like to make decisions. And one of the reasons that we're having trouble in the kingdom today is because some of us have not made enough decisions in the light of the office, the decision-making office to which we have been called. It's tough, people, but I challenge you to join with us as we try to make some of the big decisions that God has entrusted to our care for the future of this church. And I pray that the congregation, the constituency which you serve, will support you, uphold you in the decisions which you are to make. This is the advice which Jethro gave to Moses to us. 
in the book of Exodus, and I'm sure most of you know what the word Exodus means. It means, in the Hebrew, to, to go out for food. And on this day of ordination, a few Sundays before the end of the year, on behalf of the entire congregation, I would like to publicly thank those elders and deacons who are going out, who have served this church for either three or two years very faithfully. Elders Tom Adams, Chuck Butler, Jim Aiken, Bob Stevens, Howard Taylor, Harry Wilson, and deacons Neil Frick, John Havey, Bill Levin, Ron Park, Elizabeth Weimer, and Art Wheeler. To those of you who go out from the Office of Leadership in this church, we extend to you our thanks. And for the job which you have tried to do in the important position which your peers have placed you in in the offices of leadership of this church. And to those who are coming in and going forth, May that blessing which Jethro gave to Moses and with his advice, may it be with all of you. May God be with you and bless you.